Welcome to the Small Business Surgeon Podcast, the show where we dissect the businesses of top producers, examine their growth strategies, and share with you the bare bones of their success. I am your host, Samuel Smith, and I'm glad you're here. Let's operate. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to this week's episode of the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. I'm your host, Samuel Smith, and uh, today's guest is just an out-and-out awesome human being. I'm really happy he's here. He is an Apex member, of course. Uh, he is the only man in recorded history to beat Chuck Norris in a push-up competition, and he is also the host of the Tactical Empire Podcast. Welcome to the show, Jeff Smith. <laughs> Sam, thank you for that intro. My reputation precedes me, obviously. <laughs> I just have one question for you, Jeff. Is, do, is it true, is the rumor true, that your belt actually has more utility than Batman's? Yes. Yes, that's absolutely true. I had to think about it. Batman. Batman. Yes, absolutely. No question. The utility belt. Because you've, yes. you've got such a wonderful background. Um, you are now a business owner a real estate investor, a podcaster, but you, uh, your foundation was in the Rangers. So before we get deep into business, tell us a little bit, Jeff, who is Jeff Smith? Yeah, I'm, I'm just a simple small town guy from central Illinois. And uh, yeah, I'm entrepreneur, business owner, father of four, been married 10 years. Um, yeah, but I was, yes, I was in special operations in the military. I enlisted in the army immediately after 9-11. And okay. so that was the catalyst for me, um, enlisting in the military actually. So we're, we're about the same age, aren't we? And, um, I think that, that when that happened, I think it was, it was most young males responses to want to go fight something or fight somebody. Yeah. So, man. yeah. And uh, you went, you went with the Rangers, man. Yes, sir. I had a buddy with the Rangers, and uh, they, he was very proud of the fact that they were always the first guys there and the first guys to get shot at. Is is that true? Yes, the tip of the spear. Yes, and we were we were forward operators in in every um, operation that we did uh, for with regards to Afghanistan and Iraq and things like that. I was involved in the actual invasion of Iraq and. We were there operating prior to um, Bush's uh, shock and awe bombing campaign that kind of started and kicked off the war. We were in there a few weeks before um, doing all the work necessary to get that ready. Man, and as a, as a young man, that's got to be quite a responsibility on your shoulders. Well, um, I don't want to wear out an overused phrase, but thank you. Thank you for your service, sir. It's uh, greatly appreciated. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, they can't see you nodding. <laughs> this, does out, this does go out on YouTube, but mo most yes. of our listeners, are, most of our listeners are going to be uh, wondering what you were doing. He was nodding and grinning, guys. Yes. So it's it's, it's yes. all good. So, how did that? Because I don't want to dwell too much uh, back in, in in that past, but it's obviously given you a phenomenal foundation for being an entrepreneur. So, how does your military experience translate into actually owning and operating a business? Um, it certainly has allowed me to develop my leadership skills and, and tactics, if you will. Like I, I really appreciate, especially now, like 20 years later, I, I appreciate the, the people that I was surrounded by and the level of professionals that I had the, uh, the honor of working with, I guess, um, the military provides a lot of discipline and consistency, obviously. Right. And, uh, and, and I'm just a big believer that like, that's what produces results over time is, is you don't have to be the best, the brightest, the fastest. It's, it's just the, the process of putting in the work each and every single day. Um, and that, that has led me to develop my own level of consistency and discipline in, in the entrepreneurial space. Cause I mean, as you know, running your own business, there's really no rules. You have to, <laughs> you, you have to put your own guide rails in, in place and you have to be your own, your own boss of your life. Right. Absolutely. And, and, and you only really discover those, uh, 
guide rails as you as you drive right across them and sail off over the cliff, and then you can look behind you and go, "Oh shit, that was a uh, that was a, a a learning moment," you know? Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> Not that I ever did this, but like, yeah, I mean, you maybe I shouldn't go to happy hour every day at two o'clock just because I can. And, hey, I uh, did it. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> so did I. Like. Well, let's talk about that. Um, dude, I had a guy reach out to me this morning from from back in the old days, um, and 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 he was he was in tears and he was not having a good good morning. He's one of my old old friends that I don't see much anymore, and he's struggling with uh, alcoholism and mm-hmm. depression and, and and sitting in his house drinking. And I was the kind of entrepreneur that got all my shit done early in the morning, and then I was in the bar for lunch. And yep. it, it, because I could and because I had nobody holding me accountable. How did you see that as a problem and make a change there? Because those two o'clock happy hours, I mean, they're pretty fun, man. You get a little margaritas, you get some queso, get hanging out. You know, that's uh, that's trouble. How, how, did yeah. you, how did you know? Because I didn't notice I was doing it. Um, it was my mom and it was the collapse of my business and it was the shame that I felt that, that snapped me into shape. Was there a defining moment for you to overcome the uh, the entrepreneur happy hour freedom lifestyle? I, yeah, I, and and I think it just comes from it. It came from understanding that I was just leaving too much on the table, like because yeah, I mean, I I went through the same type of thing. Like I'm up at four o'clock in the morning, four thirty in the morning. Like I I can be done by eight mm-hmm. if I want to be, mm-hmm. like. <laughs> we don't have to sit there for eight hours. Like no, I, I can, I can leave in the morning if I want to and be done. And, uh, and so, yeah, you get in that cycle of where like lunch becomes cocktail hour and then, and then it just bleeds on into a couple more. And, but, but I think for me, what, where I wasn't showing up as much is like, it, it was, it was in my family. Right. Like I wasn't, I wasn't present with my kids and doing the stuff I needed to be doing. Like, and it, it just came across as like, I was wasting time. Like I, I had the perception that I was leaving too much on the table. And, and so for me, that, that now that's not saying I snapped out of it and stopped fucking doing it. Like, Oh, <laughs> like I, I have so much self-awareness and self-discipline that I was like, just, you're not doing that anymore, Jeff. That was bad behavior. Like, no, Dude, no. I, <laughs> I say this all the time. I think it's one I picked up from Ryan, you know, it, it, it's simple, but it's not easy. Yeah. Um, the, the answer to stopping drinking is simple. It's just stop fucking drinking, but it's, it's so difficult to do because all of your activities and all of your social circles and all of your network revolves around this, this, this fucking bar and these happy hours and, and imbibing around other people. See, and that was one of the most interesting things to me about getting into apex and really leveling up to the point that we, we have at this point. Um, I, I had never been, I I've spent a lot of money. I've been in a lot of groups like multiple six figures on mentoring, coaching, masterminds. And um, I, I'd never been in a group like Apex where the level of discipline is just different. Oh, it like is. Yeah. People, people have fun, people drink, but you could be sitting at a table and it, like it, there might not be anybody drinking in, mm-hmm. in, at, at an actual event. And it's not because like, oh man, we've got a bunch of people like recovering alcoholics. It's like, <laughs> no, these motherfuckers have like set goals like yeah. th- that need tended to right now. In in the in the next six weeks, I am hitting X, Y, and Z target. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So it, it makes you really <laughs> like you get in those rooms and you're like, man, this is not about partying. Like these guys are like fucking serious yeah. about life. And like but if you want to go out and have a few drinks, they, there's that crowd too, but it's not, it's not a segregated crowd. It's like, it's like Sam has earned it now because mm-hmm. he went out and just like took that, that goal down. And now he's going to unwind with these, with his friends and family at this point. And so like, there's no judgment with regards to any of it, but there are just a, I mean, the level of ass kickers and discipline in that room is is something different dude it's intentional it's it's i'm gonna work till this point and then we're gonna go get drunk and celebrate 
and then I'm going to shut it off, and I'm going to work till I get to this point, and then we're going to go out and celebrate. And you, you see them, you know, flying, flying around in, in, in private jets and going to yeah. weekend masterminds and retreats. I guarantee there's some alcohol consumed at those. But sure. it, it's done with intent, whereas prior to Apex, or prior to me getting sober, there was no intent behind my decision to drink. It was just, we're going to go drink. Um, yeah. One of the things that helped me get sober was not saying I'll never drink again. It was saying I'll drink when I have something to celebrate. Instead of drinking because I was depressed and drinking because I had nothing going on or nothing to celebrate, I set that as a target. And when I hit it, I'll have a drink. And it just gave me something to something to work towards or something to grind out, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so, and it shifts your focus, too, because you're like, instead of doing all the drinking – like, hey, we started drinking, so we might as well drink till there's nothing left. Mm-hmm. You're, you can act. <laughs> you do it with intent. It, like you're doing everything else. You're mm-hmm. doing. You're living life with intention too. Like you put it on the calendar. Like what I've found over time is like I, I, I desire drinking less and less these days too. It, it's not nearly as fun as I used to perceive it to be. Uh, <laughs> And I don't get bad hangovers or anything like that, that people complain about. Like, mm-hmm. I just, it's not it, like as it, I, I don't know. It just doesn't do much for me anymore. No. And I, 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 I think the number of hours I spent in the pool hall or the number of hours I spent playing golden tea and, you know, you just like, wow, what could I have done with those hours? Now I'm really, really, really good at pool. Like I'll, I'll stand up and shoot anybody right now at it. Like I'm still good, but was that really a life skill that was worth those 10,000 hours of my time? I think probably not, you know? <laughs> right, exactly. No, you could have progressed a lot of other areas in your life, for yes, sure. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. But still the baddest guy in the pool hall. I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> That's really, uh, that, that is really funny to think about, though. Like, how you could have spent your time. I think, I think the group of people that we're surrounded by too are very intentional about how they spend their time. So like, that's another good point of how it's unique. Well, I, I started treating time like, like money. When, when I realized that my time had so much value, it was the most valuable asset I owned, I started to, teach, to treat it like money. And you know, the rule is with money, if, if you don't tell it what to do, if you don't have a set budget, if you don't put it where it's supposed to go, then it will just get frittered away. Well, well time is the exact same thing. And a lot of people think I'm a little bit strange, um, people outside of Apex. And they'll ask me, you know, hey, can you come do this? Or can you come do that? I'm like, well, well no. Um, my days book up two or three days in advance. So I don't have the ability to just drop everything and, and go hang out. And, right. <laughs> but I get to do everything I want. You know, is, is strict time management something that, that you do? Or are you just more of a see where it goes kind of guy? No, definitely. I am a time manager. I, I am, I'm a time blocker. I block time throughout the day to do what I need to do as far as project work. And like there, there's, there's time allocated throughout the day to each and everything that's important to me, Mm -hmm. whether it's working out or other stuff, like I have time blocked for that. And I, I am very disciplined regarding that because that does give you the freedom to kind of do what you want to do. And it also gives you the freedom of fulfillment to feel like you've had a productive day. It does. It does. And, you know, I work every day, but obviously I, I schedule less work on the weekends. Um, but being in, in real estate sales, I've, I've got to be available uh, on the weekends. So it's still on the calendar. But my entire days, I get to do my hobbies. I get to play with my kids. I get to get my exercise in. I get to eat right. And it's the same amount of time I used to have. And I would say, oh, I have no time for this or I have no time for that. But I have the same time. I just use it intentionally and everything's budgeted. So, yes, um, it, it does make spontaneity a little difficult. But, you know, I get I get way more done. I get way more done. You know, it's like. Um, this, but this, we so- I mean, we schedule our stuff like, yeah, it, but it doesn't have to be spun. I can't be spontaneous. I have four kids under nine years old. So mm-hmm. there is no spontaneity in our, in our <laughs> life, really. Like we have to plan everything deliberately 
to to get time to do all the things that we're we're trying to do. Yeah, yeah. I had I had <laughs> I never know whether to, to to talk about my personal life on the show, but uh, I had I, I had somebody in the not too distant past say. Uh, Oh my god! I bet you even schedule sex, don't you? And I was like, "Well, <laughs> as it happens, <laughs> we don't go that far, but we do schedule <laughs> date nights for sure." Yes, and, exactly. uh, I think that that was the that, that was the answer I gave. <laughs> we're very disciplined about our date nights, though, because they do take planning and they do take like other people's involvement to get babysitters and things lined yeah. up. So. But, yeah. you know, as, as somebody that's that's had a failed marriage, um, not planning a date night and not intentionally dating my wife was, again, it was, it was in, instrumental in the downfall because I didn't put it on a calendar. I didn't make time for it. I didn't make time to, to you know, take a break out of the, the, the fucking minutiae of operating a business and actually look after her. I would rather have just gone to the pub. And, um, you know, that, that's my, uh, that, that's my bad to carry. I got to deal with that now. <clears throat> so, uh, next relationship, we'll put it on a calendar. I mean, that's what you got to do, right? Yeah. I think, I think you're, I think we're guilty of only focusing on certain aspects of life. So like we, we stay in what's comfortable. So if we're good at business, we go ahead and focus on business and push yes. over there and and then allow all of our other um, bad habits, like weaknesses, mm -hmm. like faults, to like we're just trying to shine brighter in what we're good at, and like ignore everything else. So, I, and and ignore it with alcohol. I mean, yeah. that's that's how I did it. Just ran away and ran away, and eventually you've got to turn around and face it. And um, you know that that's what. The catalyst was for me to, to become sober was actually having to turn around and go, well, shit, I've, I've made a big mess here. Um, but without that, who knows where we'd have gone. All right, let's move on a little bit because I want to touch. I mean, you've got so much good shit going on. Um, what I really want to touch about now is, is your mentoring and your coaching that you do with other business owners. Because um, was that something that you set out to become or was that something you just saw a need for and just kind of slid into a gap there? Well, the way it started is that I, I own a gym. Mm -hmm. um, I've always been passionate about seeking out mentors and coaches and things like that personally. So like I've been part of mentoring groups, coaching groups, all kinds of stuff forever. And it, it naturally evolved out of that because I created my gym business. I, I belong to a mentorship program. And then I just got invited to start mentoring for that company. Right. And so originally that brought me into the fold of coaching other business owners. And then I found out that I was very passionate about it. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's fun to help people solve their problems, improve their lives, blah, blah, blah. Right. Absolutely. And, yeah. and, and then from there, I kind of elevated a couple of years down the road into floating the idea to the owner of the company. I said, Hey, we need a higher level group. Like, let me create a mastermind for the upper echelon business owners in this group. Mm -hmm. And he was like, at the time he was like, that's fine. Run with it. And so I created a, a mastermind for two brain business and uh, about three years ago at this point, and we've grown it now to 50, 60 people in the group. So it's got, it's got a fair amount of business owners in it. It's, it's a fun group. And, um, now I've kind of evolved into just starting my own mastermind as well. That's not focused on gym owners, right. it's, it's male, male business owners with children is with kids. And, uh, that that's, we're, we're focused on the same type of things, um, as far as achievement and progress in our lives and in every aspect of our lives. Whereas like in the fitness business, we cover gym business stuff. Right, like right. This this is open to everybody. The one I run, the the Tactical Empire one, the inner circle for the Tactical Empire is um, is open to any business owners. They're males, right? It's men only. <laughs> no girls allowed. Nope. <laughs> so I want to ask then, because I I do um, a little bit of consulting with uh, business owners. Um, 
you know, and it, it came about by accident, and, and now it's it's become a passion. It's probably the thing I focus on the most now. Um, I see patterns that repeat over and over and over in business owners. So I want to discuss some of those with you, man. What's, what's one of the biggest uh, patterns that you see, one of the biggest flaws that a lot of guys um, have that are coming to you when they first set out? Well, the people that I work with are successful mm-hmm. to an extent at this at, at this point. They're they're not necessarily beginner entrepreneurs at all. So we're not like right. solving entry level problems. Like so, most of the people that come to me are are running up against some sort of ceiling that they've ran into. Right. Right. And so, like Sam, if you came to me ten years ago. And you were like, hey, man, I can't make over a quarter million dollars like I'm having year over year. Yeah. We're, we're just stagnating. Like, right. Like, I'd be like, well, you're going to the bar every day at two o'clock. Do you think you could work till four? And uh, <laughs> you'd be like, ding, problem solved. That's pretty <laughs> easy. Just, yeah, well done. Just had a breakthrough. No. Um, but no, a little bit more advanced than that. I mean, to, for, for perspective, um, the majority of my clients are seven figures plus and yeah. they're low seven figures and they go on, all right, we got this far. What the fuck's next? I mean, that that's kind of the arena I'm in. You know, the, the, yep. the guys that you're telling, hey, maybe don't go to the bar. They don't really uh, translate into long-term client relationships for me. Um, I, I need 100%. them to be a little bit further along before I can do that, you know? Yeah, and, and there is, there's there's a funny uh, like tercile of business that you're kind of referring to there, like from 2 million to 5 million Mm -hmm. in, in gross revenues is like referred to as the Valley of death, because getting to that point in business, yeah, well, getting to that point in business is actually like, you can do it from blood, sweat and tears. Mm -hmm. And, and so now to advance to the next phase of business and break through to that next stage, whether it's eight figures or beyond, it, it takes a different business owner yes. to yes, it does. develop you, themselves. You can't do it by brute force. You, mm-hmm. you can't, you have to have everything properly aligned and you have to have a, a deep awareness of where you want to go and what you're trying to achieve and what you're trying to build. And, you know, it, it, it's funny because you absolutely nailed it. Um, the majority of guys that I work with are right in that zone and they're just not sure what's next they're like they get there by brute force and then they, they look around and well if i stop pushing i stop making money and this this can't be right well it right at that point is it introduces a level of complexity that makes them very uncomfortable so you have to either be comfortable with bringing in that level of complexity and then they have to grow and elevate themselves as leaders mm-hmm. for the first time ever or in most cases um, or they have to shrink back down and be okay carving off the profit margin of the of the million bucks a year gross yeah. revenue, right? Because the because it has to turn into a different business too, and then it, they have really to become does. a different business owner. It, it has to evolve past them. You know, a lot of these guys um, they'll get under pressure and immediately revert back to doing the fifteen and twenty dollar an hour tasks immediately yep. because they think that's that's what's going to fix it and it doesn't it, it's it's a transformation that they've got to go through and i went through it the the biggest like without having core values and without having operating procedures it would be impossible but the biggest stumbling block for me was giving that authority and that decision making capability to the, the the smart intelligent wonderful people that work for me and we don't even like to say work for me. They work with me. We're all moving together to try to hit everybody else's goals. And I was shocked the very first time that my staff performed a task without me from start to finish. They closed a deal, onboarded a client, took the client through the entire process, uh, delivered the product, got paid. And I didn't know about it till the invoice hit and we'd, we'd got an extra you know, 10 grand in the bank. Like, well, what is this? And it was all from leaning into the systems and trusting the guys and and they they did it. And then it from there, obviously, 
I give more trust and, and I'm more into this development side and I'm more into what can I do to develop their confidence and to push them along instead of me going out and closing deals. It's, it's now about putting together the right guys to do that. And it's just been, that's what's driving us into the seven figure and beyond range in the media business is actually having allowed the guys the freedom to go and do their own shit. Yeah. How do you, how do you help entrepreneurs get over that shock to the system? Because when, when, when they start out, it's generally a hobby or a passion or a skill set that they've developed. And they are used to doing every step in the process. And a lot of the guys I work with have the mindset that nobody can do it as well as me, so I'm gonna take care of this. How do you crack that mindset open? You have to give them a new mission, right? And, I like and that. Like, like there's a saying that I use with clients that like as soon as your staff or your team can do things 60% as well as you can do them, the task, mm -hmm. it's, it's your obligation to pass it off to them at 60%. And then your job is to grow an elite into a leader that can train them to do it at 80% your efficiency because your expectation cannot be that they can do it at a hundred percent your efficiency. That's true. Like they're, yeah. they're not going to produce at your level and, and you have to be realistic. Now that's not true in every case, right? That with it, God willing, we create companies that attract talent that like bring in a bunch of ass kickers where everyone's better than yeah. us in their individual role. That but wonderful. that's a, that's a mature business yes. and it takes, it takes a while to get there. And, and you're not usually there at the point that kind of we're discussing from a mm -hmm. revenue standpoint. Right. Um, Cause they're making their first real strategic hires really. Mm -hmm. and, and maybe bringing on their second wave of employees, yep. not the employees that got them to that million bucks. It's the next skill, strategic skill that they're bringing in. Um, and so their job, when I'm talking about shifting mission, you really have to just impress upon them that their job is to grow as leaders and that the performance of their team is their measuring stick. And if, if their team, and, and it goes back to personal responsibility and they have to ultimately accept responsibility for everything that goes on there. And, and it's answering the questions in the right way. So like when you're talking about diving back in and doing $20 tasks, yeah. you, you're not fixing it. You're not fixing the how, like you're not supposed to go mop the floor. You're supposed to teach somebody how to do it effectively. And, and then where you failed was teaching them how to do it effectively. It, it's not the output that you're trying to solve. Correct. I love this. It's like I get like I get the best conversations and the, the audience gets to learn all this cool shit. Man, I I love it. It's you know, it's about solving the problem in front of you. Man. But what you're talking about though is like a lot of deep mindset work though. So like it, when you present that avatar of me to me of the business owner that is like struggling with reaching seven figures in, in their income or, or in their gross in revenue. Mm -hmm. And then they're, they're thinking about taking it to the next level, but they know that that takes scaling and things like that. There's so many underlying emotions involved in that situation from ego to fear to like all these other things like Dude. their identity could be wrapped up in who they are like, in their role as owner operator mm -hmm. and and you can't scale that business till you can peel back that onion and get them over those limiting beliefs into like hey would you rather would you rather be the titular head of this business or would you rather be making 10 million dollars a year the, the the biggest obstacle i've had and i've ever found and the biggest asset I've got is is the mind. Um, the majority of entrepreneurs, what's holding them back the most is the space between their ears. Um, oh, yeah. Whether it's the self-doubt of whether they can do it or not, or whether it's the identity that's tied to being the owner and the main operator, or whatever it is, man, the, the mind is, it's, 
most of these guys' biggest asset, as well as being the one thing that's holding them back. Um, you know, how do you go about unlocking that mindset for these guys and helping them to see themselves as something bigger than just a guy that works at a company? I think you just have to be really strategic in the questions that you're asking them because you can't necessarily like one thing that I firmly believe with, like I work with men, right? Mm -hmm. I can't go in there and fuck, like, these are type A's they're right. driven. They're, like they're not used to people calling them on their shit for one, but oh God, that's like, true. <laughs> I, I can't come in there and like tell them how to think either. So like we have to get there mm -hmm. in a roundabout way. So my job is only to ask questions yeah, so that they can find their own answers. Cause once they start getting the keys to fit themselves, mm -hmm. then my job is to ask better questions. If I'm not solving a problem, I have to ask better questions. Absolutely. My, my first time ever going through anything like this, I was I was asked so many questions. I'm like, would you just, well, why? Would you just stop asking questions? Well, and I just go, well, why? Why do you want to do that? Why do you want to do? And then I realized it was actually working. And you take the things you want, and you say, well, why do I want it? You take the things you're trying to achieve and say, well, why am I trying to achieve that? You take the people you're trying to develop and say, well, why am I trying to develop this? And it all like it's like layers of an onion and you just keep asking yep. why and going deeper and i do that now and the biggest difference that i've noticed is it's like what you said instead of telling somebody what to do you're asking them the questions that guide them to the answer to where they think that they've thought of it themselves and it's much easier pill for them to swallow when they're calling themselves on their own shit you yeah, find that 100 percent yeah, for sure. If you ask good questions, you may not always solve that problem right there on the call either, but you send them away with deeply entrenched thoughts because mm -hmm. they're going to keep working on that because these guys are problem solvers, right? Right. And, and so, I mean, I was a chaser when I grew up. So like, I understand like what they're dealing with. So when you're talking about why do you want to do that? Why do you want to do that? Why do you want to create a seven figure business? Why do you mm -hmm. want more people? Why do yeah. you want 10 staff members or a hundred staff members? Like I was a chaser when I was growing up in my beginning phases of entrepreneur uh, entrepreneurship. And it, what that means to me is I was doing anything and everything to try to make more money, mm -hmm. get the next sale grow and like anything fast that I could see or think that I could work out mm -hmm. and like, Oh, go that direction. We'll be this now. We'll start this business, go this way. Yes. It, it was, it was without intention and without any sort of vision. Right. So if anybody would have asked me those whys, like I can, I can easily tell when people are just being very surface level with their stuff. Like, yeah, I want to, I want to create a $10 million business and have a hundred employees. Okay. Like if you come say that to me, I can tell before it's out of your mouth, if you really want to do that, or if you just heard that on TV yeah. or talk, talking to your buddies, like for, for the record, I don't want to do that. Cause it sounds like a shitload of work for $10 million. Like, <laughs> right, right. A hundred percent. And like, you have to understand that, like, oftentimes we go into these situations with the best intentions and we end up only building ourselves cages. Exactly. Dude, that, yes. Really well said. Really well said. I would much rather figure out a way to get a $10 million business with three employees than hire a hundred people. Um, yeah. You know, but if you've heard that having a hundred people is the right size for a medium-sized business, and that's what you want, then you know that's a strange path to want to go down. Um, I don't want a hundred employees, that's for sure. Right, right, and but I, I mean, you just have to be. Everybody wants something different too. Like it, it goes back to like even like wealth numbers. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you define wealth as versus the next guy? And like. 
everybody's different and you really need to under it. it we're, if you want to peel back the layers more than anything, it's like, what do you want? And, and what, what that means is what do you want as a human being, like way back in the back? Like, mm-hmm. okay. Like, cause some people say they want a hundred million dollars and like, that's just an arbitrary number. Right. Like they couldn't even tell you why they want a hundred million dollars. Like the, they have no idea the rate of return or whatever it, it would buy. It's just a hundred million dollars, nice and round. And it sounds like I could do anything I wanted with it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Whereas if you actually get granular with that, it's like you, it, I do an exercise with my clients actually that we break down every single thing they want to yes. do in their dream life. Mm-hmm. And then we put a dollar figure to it. And then we break it down to how often you do it. Like, is it a weekly thing? Is it a yeah. monthly thing? Like, what's this cost? I want to get massages three times a week. I want this, I want that. And, and then we build it out to what it actually costs in a month. Mm-hmm. And it's always way fucking less than you think it is. Always. Even people with extravagant tastes, yep. it's, it's literally like 50, 60 grand a month. The, like, I, did, I did mine and I went as extravagant as I could think of. And I didn't put private jets on there because, like, I don't really, I don't really care to fly. To be honest, um, I'd much rather drive around. I'd, I'd rather have a, a half million dollar RV than a private jet. Um, but, like, I don't. I'm a pedestrian, dude. I, I don't like being up in the sky. It, it, it messes with me. Um, but I looked at mine and, dude, for like fifteen grand a month, I'm like, wait a minute, that's just, that's that's insane. That I could, if I, if I reorder my financial priorities and I can, I, I do, I literally do whatever I want. I shouldn't mm-hmm. say that out loud because like people right. will get, but no, they say, what do you do for work? I'm like, whatever's interesting, man. Like I, I, I am, I've, I've structured this whole fucking thing now to where I take whatever projects are interesting. I work with the clients I want to work with. I refer the other clients out to other people I trust. And, and I, I, I can't believe how good life has fucking got. And I've got this dream life that I wrote down with all these goals and stuff. And it's, it's literally 15 grand a month. And my goal now is to set that figure off by working remotely and figuring out how to generate 15 to 20 grand remotely every month um, by podcasting yep. and doing interviews and consulting. And it's, um, it, it's really, really achievable. So why would I set out and say I want to make a $100 million business? Like I, (laughs) sometimes, sometimes it's the same people. Like I've had situations where like, I could start the conversation with you and you'd be like, how much do you want? And you'd be like 50 million bucks. And then I'd be like, let's do this exercise. And sure enough, it's 15 grand a month. And you're like, do you understand that even at 4% rate of return, 4%, Mm -hmm. that's only like two, two and a half million bucks or something like crazy. super achievable. (laughs) My, my goal is just to to get it set up to where it's a residual income to where it's it's money. That's, that's a mailbox money. And you know, probably my taste might've changed by then. But even if you take like the shit, you can have the nicest Porsche for three grand a month. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's nothing in in the scheme of things. So, you know, I put stuff down like that was my perfect life. Um, but I've also got a perfect business idea. So I'm putting money now into saving and I'm, uh, I, I'm very deep in negotiations. I'm buying a, a, a fucking million dollar building, which I never in Ooh. my life thought I'd, I'd even like, it was never even a thought. And now That's we're, awesome, we're going to go buy a building. Cause, cause like I put it down on the wish list. I'm like, you know what? I could get this for about five grand a month. Like all in. Oh, yeah. I'm like, well, that, yeah. that's, that's really not that much. You know, I could figure that out. And so we're going to go buy a building and all kinds of crazy shit. All, all thanks to Apex and a bunch of people like you asking me questions. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, that Well, I mean, once you put it down and you, you stake it in the ground, then your your subconscious goes to work on it and it becomes possible. That is like, it feels like everything I manifest just happens. Like I just write it down and say, this is what I want to do. And then off we go. It just like, I don't even do shit. People just call and say, Hey, I I thought about this. Does that sound like a good idea? And we're off to the races again, dude. Um, and, and it's been from asking myself, what do I want? All right. Who has that? Where can I go? How can I get a hold of that? And just picking up the phone and making shit happen. Like, I don't think people realize 
just how many people that you can help and that you can impact and, and, and you can really take care of just by picking up the phone. And then all that shit starts to snowball and it comes back to you. Just it, Like when I learned business, Jeff, it was all about money in, service, money out. And this way of doing business that I've discovered through Apex and through giving and through being consistently useful and adding value to people's lives, it's, it's completely flipped my world on its head. It's, it's yeah. all value-based. Um, if I'm valuable and I give value, then you'll reward me. And it's, it's right. that fucking simple. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Man, I, I think it's true. I think it's true because if you deliver a, like, value to my life, then I'm going to reciprocate in some manner or method. It may not be monetary, but I may put you in touch with exactly. somebody that's going to partner on the next mm -hmm. deal with you mm -hmm. or, or be a 50% JV on your million dollar building or something. Yep. Who knows? And, and that you never know who's watching. You never know. And the one thing I try to, to push on all of my, all of my clients is don't think about the money. Think about the impact. Think about yep. what it is that you're doing that's going to positively affect people's lives because that generates more wealth over time than, than I could even comprehend. Right. Just and and plus, I just get to float around being cool. I talk to people, I help them out, and it's 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 a it's much better than actually grinding out an existence. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Let's get yeah. back to let's get back to Jeff Smith because we're 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 covering a whole lot of Sam Smith and not much Jeff Smith right now. <laughs> no. no, man. Um, one one post I noticed today that was that was pretty uh, that was pretty telling was one that uh, was talking about awareness and mm -hmm. the lack of awareness in some business owners. How do you go about guiding business owners and helping them to become aware of some of the things they're missing out on? Well, we've all got blind spots, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's why we hire coaches. That's why we want a, a third party's perspective on our shit. Mm -hmm. And it, Hiring coaches changed my fucking world. Yeah. If you are in your 20s and listening to this, hire a coach. If you're in your 30s and listen to this, hire a coach. And if you're in your 40s and listening to this, hire a fucking coach. Yeah. Sorry to speak have, over you, dude. <laughs> no, no, man. I, I hire coaches for everything, for everything. And like whether you're getting into fitness or nutrition, like my wife does nutrition for women. And, and like, I, I firmly believe that if you hire a coach, it holds you accountable. You reach your goals faster. Even if you spend money, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Like it's an investment in what is important to you. Yes. And, but a coach that said, because everybody is like, everybody's trying to be a coach. Everybody's got an opinion about coaching and consulting. That's either good or bad. Right. Yeah. I don't like these. I don't like the word coach even, man. It, it, it's like nails on a chalk. I don't want to be a coach. You know, I, I don't, <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's, you know, no, like I don't, I don't want to be the, the, no, the fucking, the crunchy mom life coaches, dude, <laughs> they wear me yeah. out. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, ultimately that's what I am. And like, as much as you, as much as I hate the, the, the term, I, I think that a good coach or program or mastermind that you're going to get involved in is going to give you three things. And, and that's speed, it's leverage and it's connections. Absolutely. Sometimes, sometimes it could give you one of those three, two of those three, or a great one's going to give you all three. And the idea is the speed, you're going to eliminate the need to make all the fucking mistakes mm -hmm. to get your goal, or they're going to lay out a roadmap or a plan that's going to allow you to jump a couple phases, a couple steps to get there fast. Leverage. That's super important. That's so important. Yeah. And, and leverage is the same. Like, do I have a plan that I can help you based on my experience and expertise to get to where you want to go? So leverage my experience, leverage my mistakes, leverage other people in the group's mistakes, their experience, and then connections are 
Like, who do I have access to in my network that I can put you, that I can plug you in with that's going to make your life better, your business better, your bank account better, yep. or your family better, right? Dude, what I love about connections is there's always a double end to it. Because if I send you a client, you think highly of me for sending you a client. But the client thinks highly of me for sending him to somebody that can solve his problem. So I get double the deposits in the karma bank. And no, you don't get paid back off of each one. No, not at all. But that's out there in the universe. And Jeff Smith will always remember, hey, Sam did me a solid. And dude, that goes so far. And it costs me nothing to introduce you to the next guy and have you all help each other out. And I think if we could, uh, if we could run our businesses a little bit more like that, I think we all make a lot more money. For sure. For sure. I'm all and, about yeah. the karma bank. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I, I think I'm, I'm, I think of myself as a connector. So I love making people, I, I love making connections of people that in putting them in touch with people that can enrich their lives or potentially help them and move them forward. And so, cause I have a broad base of experiences, which puts me in a lot of interesting rooms. And I have the benefit of, of having access to a lot of different people. Um, and some of it's from business and some of it's from networking and some of it's from special operations and, and things like that. Like, it, like I have access to a lot of the people in the special operations community. It's a small tight knit yeah. community that a lot of people know. And so it, that that's definitely a, a feather in my cap that I can create. I can eliminate any barriers of communication instantly. Like for instance, there was a guy on Andy Frisella's podcast, like a couple weeks ago. He was in Ranger Battalion at the same time I was. I shot him a message. I've never met him the, in the, person. The super redneck dude with the, the high-pitched voice? Granderson? Uh, Greg Anderson? Is, is he the guy that does uh, – he, he does a lot of walking and he, he lives in the woods by himself, that, that dude? No. Um, no. Oh, no, no, no. That's Jesse. Uh, no, not Jesse Itzler. I want to say Jesse Itzler. It's uh, Chad Wright. That's Chad Wright, too, yeah, you're yeah, talking yeah. about. Yeah. yeah. Um, he, he was I, I a SEAL. I listened to all of Andy's shit. I was just trying to picture the guest in my head. Yeah, Greg Anderson's the actual. He was a Seattle cop who made a viral video last oh, year and yes, got yes, fired yes, from one. it. Yes, yes, I did yes. hear that. Yes. Anyway, yeah. like just just as an example, that guy was in Ranger Battalion, the same Ranger Battalion I was in. I shot him a message. He he sent me his cell phone number, and we got on the phone like immediately. Dude, that's so, incredible. Like, and so like it just happens that fast, and you get the credibility based on like, hey man we're brothers and yeah. they're like, okay, we'll move mountains for you. You want to be on my podcast? Sure. Like the guy's got a hundred some thousand followers and like I have none. And so <laughs> and it's like, yeah, when do you want to do it? And so, I mean, it's just that simple. So I have a lot of cool connections like that and I enjoy putting people in touch with other people like that too. So, that, yeah, that's incredible. And he's, uh, he's actually doing something and, um, you know, I, I gotta be, uh, It'll be honest, you know, it's, it's difficult to know what to do about our current political climate as a business owner and as somebody that's got some, you know, some leadership and responsibility within the community. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, it's very difficult. So it's good to see guys like him actually standing up and taking action. Um, the best I managed was standing in front of the commissioner's court last year and, and petitioning them to keep the restaurants open and the bars open. And they, they, they fucking did. It was it yeah. was crazy. Um, they actually listened, um, and the uh, the head of the county commissioners here. I I, I was not impressed um, going into it and coming out of it. I uh, I give him his due. He's very very wise, very well read man. And what I discovered that day is that we can have an effect on national politics by paying attention to local politics. Uh huh. Yep. I think the majority of decisions are made at the local level. And hundred you know, percent. To that, one of my buddies is now running for city council. Another one just made school board. You know, they're, they're getting in and, uh, and trying to help out and get, get this taken care of. So, um, all right, Jeff, man, it's been an absolute experience talking to you, dude. I, w I wish we had a little more time, but I just got a couple more questions. They're like the, the, the typical podcast questions without being too okay. cheesy. Um, I want to know, assuming he was ready for the lesson, if you could go back 20 years and talk to Jeff, 
the entrepreneur. What's one piece of advice that you would uh, give somebody just starting out? Man, um, humility, coachability, consistency, and discipline. I mean, I, I Dude, don't know incredible. that I would like, I don't know that I was always highly coachable. Um, but I feel like, man, I've got so many, so many lessons learned from my 20 year old self. Um, <laughs> it, I, I just, just feel like I Facebook wasted. wasn't around back then. And no, <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. But I, I mean, like, don't waste a minute would be something I said to myself a hundred percent because Amen. like life is short. I feel like I wasted a lot of time trying to figure things out and, and on stupid stuff. Like we're talking about like, like shooting pool, <laughs> chasing girls, drinking, mm-hmm. doing, doing all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, like it's all really, truly a waste of time. It really is. It really, <laughs> it, it's a lot of fun, but it, it, it doesn't get you anywhere. You don't progress um, at all. And yeah. it, it makes me it makes me pause now because I can go to the pub at any particular day and see the majority of my old friends. They'll still be sitting yep. in the same spot, drinking the same drinks, telling the same stories. And um, it just gives me pause to reflect. I do miss them, but I sure I'm glad I'm not sitting there with them. You know? Yep. No all question. Right. Last question, Mr. I've got zero followers. That's not quite true. I want you to let everybody that's listening know where they can find you online and where they can follow along with your social media and with your podcast, The uh, the Tactical Empire. Yeah, my podcast is The Tactical Empire. Um, you can find it on anywhere podcasts are, iTunes, Stitcher, all that jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, I run a Facebook group called The Tactical Empire Community, and uh, that's a growing group that we're in there sharing ways to level up and push yourself in life. Um, and if you're interested in the mastermind and stuff like that, hop in that group and just shoot me a message. I'm, I'm just Jeff Smith on Facebook. And then Instagram's a really good way to get a hold of me. I'm just real Jeff Smith at, on Instagram and you can DM me there. And I'm happy to answer any questions you got. If you want to hop into our mastermind at any point, just DM me and I'll send you the details that I'll hop on a call and answer any questions. Dude, you're, you're a fucking amazing, amazing example of a strong human being, a wonderful leader. You're an excellent coach, dude. Um, I've loved the time that we got to spend together out at Zach's mastermind. And uh, dude, I'm, I'm looking forward to spending more time and, and getting to know you uh, a lot better. So Jeff Smith, thank you for coming on the podcast. Guys, you'll please go check his stuff out, uh, The Tactical Empire, and you can find him on Instagram as uh, Real Jeff Smith. Dude, thank you so much for being on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Let me know if I can ever do anything for you, Sam. All right, guys, you'll go look Jeff up. Uh, That's it from us today. We'll be back with another episode of Friday Fire later in the week. You'll please be good, stay safe, and uh, have a great week. This has been the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. If you've made it this far, you clearly like it. So go on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. This helps people find the show and spread the good word. Share with friends and follow us at Small Business Surgeon on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you for your follow-up next week. The Small Business Surgeon was recorded at Texas Media Foundry in historic downtown Bryan, Texas. Check them out at txfoundry.com or on social media at txfoundry. Thanks for tuning in.